Um, just kind of um, king in here for a moment. What we're looking at, go a little bit down a little further. Okay, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, as we uh, come this morning, we definitely want to commit this uh, day to you. We pray right now for you to bring, bring me instantly recall, <clears throat> open the hearts and minds of the saints. And it's not just a moment to come and listen to a message and whether it's, it's weighed as good or bad or we just come to look at your word. And then we depend on the impact that it has on each one of us. Lord, help us this morning to learn the significance of listening to you. And why should we listen to you? I think that's so important in the whole, in the whole course of the, uh, of the Beatitudes. Why should we listen to you? May we nail these things down as we continue the Lord's discourse to the believers. May we learn, hear, learn, and apply, and be pleasing in your sight. May it be a source of empowerment, regardless of what life has to uh, give us. We are empowered from the inside to deal with the outside. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the saints said, amen. Well, <clears throat> as we um, kind of click this on here, we're ready to go. Uh, as we look at the, I always bring this up for our series. I wanted us to at least begin to, and I'll keep flashing this before you, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. <laughs> you see? Uh, and so when I think about that, and they say the angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. When you look at chapter five, and really you connect chapter five and chapter six and chapter seven, you see the Lord begin to lay out things that says, I'm prepping you to hang out with me forever. There are some things that permit it. There are some things is non-negotiable, not permitted. So bear with me. Again, we'll go to a review, won't be that, that long. Uh, I'm going to say what I have to say and sit down. And so, again, we, we bring up the verses in uh, living our new normal. If any man be in Christ, he's in the new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Um, and, I, and I think that this is, is, uh, when we talk about that, it's, um, uh, it's a way of just kind of flipping the switch. Whenever you have... Um, something become new, then that means that everything, everything, everything must stop right there. They call it a paradigm shift. What is it? A the rule of the paradigm shift is that whenever you move from one spot to another, okay, you cannot go back to the other. <laughs> okay, so if, you, if you're single now, praise the Lord for your single, when you get married, then quit wishing about being single. You have made the paradigm shift. Okay. So, uh, so live it well. All right. So, 
uh, as we look at this, then we want to uh, look at Matthew's uh, 5.48. That's what we're aiming toward. That's what we're going to, that last part. And Matthew, there it says, therefore you shall be perfect or holy, just as your Father in heaven is holy. And of course, the question on the table is, is it possible for the believers to be holy like God? And I tell you, yes. Remember, then why do you say what's your burden of proof? How does it apply to me? We're on our way to that. Okay. Meanwhile, the Lord began to work us through some things. We talk work us through some things. Uh, that's where I'm, I want to work with you before we get into the verse. Uh, I want you to read, out, read it out loud. I know it's small writing there, but read it out loud. What does it say? You are one of a kind. I want you to personalize that. I'm one of a kind. I'm one of a kind. There'll never be another Donna person. And uh, I praise the Lord for Donna person. I praise the Lord for her life and, and ministry and I mean just all the things that she has done for the congregation. It's been a blessing. But each one of you are unique. Yes. And there's and, and you're one of a kind. Uh, Annie, one of a kind. There'll never be another Annie. And so if you see Annie there, treat her because that's, all, that's the only one. That's it. See, that's it. Now, don't be thinking about your enemies and say, Lord, get rid of the one of the kind. Okay. But the whole idea is this. You are one of a kind. If that begin to sink down in your soul, and I mean, you're not bragging. You're just, you're just saying what, what the Lord see me as, see you as. You're one of the kind. Then if that's, that's the case. Then that we, last week we talked about the house, the uh, uh, Blutenbotten. And this word Blutenbotten is, the, is, a, is a German word. And the word Blutenbotten, uh, it means blood and soul. Uh, Adolf Hitler uh, used this word. Uh, the word isn't bad, it's that he used it in a bad way. But guess what? You still have uh, that nasty thinking even today. The nasism, that, uh, that whole thinking today. You know why? Because gluten, gluten bond means blood and soul. That means that's right where you are. I broke it down to you further. That's about public uh, position. Your public position, what, what you say before folks in the public. Then we talk about not only the public position, then we see our private activities. It's what you do behind the doors. Okay. But oh, no, no, no. When the Lord, see, when the Lord came to talk to these folks, it wasn't from a public position. He wasn't saying in the private aspect. He says, I'm getting where it really hits. He says, I'm talking about our core values, where you are, what you think about. He says, I am concerned about that. When you leave this place, who you are in secret walks with you. And so the verses that I'm, we're going to go through and everything else, the Lord says, when I'm speaking, I'm not doing a public speaking. I'm not saying something that you practice in private. It says, in your core values, while you are alone by yourself, the things that you think and act, it says, that's what I'm talking about. All the verses that I'm saying from the, from the beautiful attitudes, blessed out of pure in the heart and all, it says, I'm talking to the core values. Why? Because I'm getting you home for getting ready for glory. Get the idea? Said, so, uh, so since I'm getting you home uh, to glory, then there's some things that are non-negotiable. There's some things that I will not tolerate at any point. You cannot and you will not justify not in my presence. 
uh, you know, a lot of folks say, I don't like to hear all that. Well, hey, the Lord says, then you can, you can go to your own world. But meanwhile, leave your brain here, because that's my brain, okay? <laughs> leave all, all your, your blessings here, because I gave it to you. So you, you do what you can do apart from me. Because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. 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 So we, uh, we go in our review. Everything in our life must have boundaries concerning the word of God. The law was strategically, strategically positioned in the forming of a nation. When Christ came on the scene, he uh, fulfilled all of the requirements of the law and satisfied God's righteousness, righteous requirement for the atonement and forgiveness of sin, what? For what? Whatever God does is, is forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away. And so God says, whatever you got saved, it's forever. You mess up today doesn't change you forever. You might get your whipping today, but you know what? You still saved forever. Okay. When a child is born, that child, you cannot unborn that child. So you got a child that's acting crazy and everything else. The Lord said, don't worry, you can't get rid of them, you can't disown them, they're still yours, DNA is there, you know, and that's what's happening in your life. But don't you think that you can do what you want, being in God's family. Don't fool yourself. There is an ongoing principle that we should do well to remember. The spiritual status and stabilizing of an individual will be victorious over the physical character builders of life, knowing this, that God our Father will take full responsibility when we have committed ourselves to believe, embrace, and obey the word of God. You, you see these, um, these verbs here? Believe what? Embrace. embrace. Obey. He said, believe it, embrace it, and obey it. No, folks say, God said it, I believe it. No, just do what he says. Okay. Whether you believe it or not, look, it has nothing to do with whether you, you affirm it. Just do it. So far, we have, uh, we have covered phase one, uh, chapter five, one through 12, the commendable profile, blessed are, uh, and then blessed are you when you're persecuted, that second one, and then courageous, poise, rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. I'm just going right over the 12 verses that we have gone over before. Then phase two. In phase two, the challenging position as salt and light. The Lord says, now, you shouldn't be. He says, you are. You didn't say you might be. He says, right now, present perfect tense. You are the salt. You are what? Light. He says, now, every time the Lord puts something in, uh, puts something in place, he expects it to function. Just like you buy a lamp. When you click it on, provided it's plugged in, it's supposed to come on. If that doesn't go on, maybe you didn't put a bulb. Check the whether there's a bulb. If there's a bulb and it still doesn't go on, then now you got a problem. Now you can play with that lamp or go take that lamp back, okay? But the whole idea is that if I have a lamp, it's supposed to light up, okay? Okay? When it's, when it's light, it's bright, okay? The clarity of purpose. We, he talked about the fact of, uh, of uh, in 17, he talked about the whole idea of, I didn't come to do away with the law. He said, I come to fulfill the law. So don't think that I come to wipe things out. <laughs> no, 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 no. I came to bring it to fruition. And so I said, I expected then for that to happen. 
I expected to happen. So when we see about the clarity of purpose, Jesus make it clear his purpose. All right, moving along. Uh, moving fast because of uh, just giving the outline here. Uh, but <clears throat> corrective plan of action. And that's where we deal with 18 to 47. 18 to 47, we talked about that part last week. Now, in 18, 1847, we'll, we'll see this. Jesus was careful to address seven significant and non-negotiable items. And he used a couple of phrases to emphasize his words that was mentioned nine times. You have heard. He said it nine times. The words of me. He said, you have heard the words of men. Now, that's where the Lord stopped me, and I had to really do some thinking. He said, okay, that's what me, he said, you have heard what the men said, but understand, I'm going to fulfill some things. He said, okay, you've heard what me, but he says, but I say to you. Notice he didn't say I say to you. He said, but, the conjunction with a function, which means that whenever I say, I'm going to give you $1,000 right now, but, and whenever you hear the but, everything that person said up to that but, forget it. Hear what they're going to say after the but, okay? He said, but I tell you. You've heard everything everybody else has said. You heard all of the scribes and the, and the Pharisees. and after You heard all what they were saying. You've seen all of the writing, but I tell you. So we have to ask the question. Why is it so important that we believe you? When you say, I tell you, then, then Lord, will you explain to me what you mean by I tell you? Then the Lord said, well, just in case when you talk about going to the kingdom, and when I tell you, I tell you, then he said, I think you need to know something. Number one, as the word of God, I tell you. As the great I am, I tell you. As the bright and morning star, I tell you. As the sacrificial lamb of God, I tell you. As the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, I tell you. As the light of the world, I tell you. He goes, goes on to say something else. He says, as the good shepherd, I tell you. As the bread of life, I tell you. As the true vine, I tell you. As the king of kings and lord of lords, I tell you. As the lion of the tribe of Judah, I tell you. As the great high priest, I tell you. You have heard other folks say something, but let me tell you something. I tell you. You see his position. You see his power. And he said, when I say it, I said, I have complete authority. You better listen to what I have to say. Because when I tell you, I'm not going to argue with you about this. You see, that's where some of the parents, parents don't argue with your children. You're the authority. You're, you're, you're the parent before you are their friend. You are the authority. They depend on your authority. So then it says, uh, take out the garbage. Why did I have to take out the garbage? Because I tell you. 
See, I'm the one who said, that's why you have to take it out. I was thinking about our, our children. Boy, uh, there was a time when uh, we told them to come in at a certain time. And, uh, and I said, when it gets dark and everything else, there's a certain time you must be in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they said that, yeah, and they said, well, the other children, they're still out. They say, that's fine. Sound good. But I tell you, you will be in at 8.30. At 8.30, and then, then, of course, we always had our little meetings around the table. And, and so one of them said, uh, I said, yes. Um, and what if we do not come in at that time? And I didn't get angry. No, it was a discussion. I said, I said, I said, I said that was a good question. I said, I'll tell you what, you will be in for, oh, I think it was a week, for a whole week, and you will get no air from the outside. The only way that you can get air from the outside is somebody bring it to you in a bag <laughs> and you suck it out of a straw. <laughs> you know, and they, and, and they, and they, they, they all, you know, everybody was laughing on the table. They thought it was funny. Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> Until my son Stefan <laughs> came in late. <sighs> Daddy, I tried again at 8:30, <laughs> but you see, I was witnessing to others, and uh, <laughs> they didn't know who they were talking to. I just, uh, and I saw so I, I, I gave him the courtesy. I gave him the courtesy to just finish talking. I was witnessing to others, and I forgot about the time. <laughs> Daddy, I tried to get here on time. I said. And I said, I really appreciate your evangelistic thrills, your the skills. I said, you know, you, I think you, you did a great job. I said, now, in order for you to, to really be skilled at it, you will stay in for one whole week. You will get no air from the outside. Somebody had to bring it with a bag. You had to suck it out of a straw. The Lord says, I say to you, that means don't come up with any excuses. Because I know your thoughts are far off. He said, I say to you. So, so the, the first thing that we, we, we talked about in that, that whole area, uh, last week we, we covered a murder, and being able to kill with your words. Then we talked about adultery. You are guilty of the lack of control of your eyes and thoughts. This week, let us consider marital faithfulness in making oaths. Marital faithfulness, 27 to 30. Furthermore, it has been said, did you get that right? <laughs> it has been said, whoever, whoever so divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But what? I say to you. That whosoever divorces his wife for any reason except for what causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits what folks have kicked this thing around and come up with so many excuses uh, prenuptial agreements and everything else the Lord says nah I'm not going to go through I'm not going to do all of that here's what I'm saying don't get divorced. You see, you have to understand, now that you hear the statement, you have to understand the, the concept. Why is it the Lord saying that? And I, I think that that's, that's, that's critical. God hates divorce. Yes. 
Malachi 2.16, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, but it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit. Now, notice what he says. He didn't say take heed to your actions. Say take heed to your what? He didn't say take heed to what you do on the outside, but take heed to what you're doing on the inside because your inside affects the outside. Whenever a person does something, he says, oh, I didn't, know, I didn't really mean to do that. Well, you did it, which means you must have thought it. So then it started from the inside and worked to the outside. When folks come in for counseling, I already say, I already know that it, there's, there's somewhere we have to look for the spiritual, then let's look at the physical. Straighten out the, the spiritual, the physical would be kind of fine. Okay? That, it's, it's an ongoing principle, timeless principle. <clears throat> and so, why is divorce so devastating? Now, this talk that we'll park just for a few months there. Why is divorce so devastating? And we come up with this. Number one, let's read it. It greatly interferes with the process of forgiveness and reconciliation. Whenever you divorce, then it really racks that problem there. The next one. Enables others to step in and establish a relationship. Remember, it says, those whom God have joined together, let no man set asunder. When you get a divorce, you open the door saying, I'm ready, Lord. No, I never, I didn't open the, the door. The judge said it. I didn't say it. You see? And so the Lord says, I don't care what other folks are saying. I'm telling you, the only reason for divorce is sexual immorality. Now, of course, I, I, I do my homework. And I've listened to some famous speakers and, uh, and something that they have said, some that's well known to you. And even these individuals varied on the point. And I said, well, both of these guys I like. But then I got to the word, but God said, but I say to you. So that's what I'm going to do. Stand on the word. See? Because the ones who are making all these statements, they're going to die. <laughs> okay? And the Lord's going to hold me responsible for our, what I received and work out. He says, so I say to you, because it enables others to step in. There's another reason. Let's read it. Destruction of a friendship and covenant. Do you know that um, when a couple get married, it's a combination of them being your friend and your covenant partner for life. I ask couples when they come in, no, are you friends? And this pastor and his wife had came in for counseling, third married 36 years, and they looked at each other and said, are we friends? And, and the guy said, no, we're not friends. Wow. I said, whoa, I said, I, I got a long session going on here, you know? Because you already violated scripture. And now it's working itself out in everyday living, and you're frustrated, and you're angry, and that's why you're walking through this door. Here's the other. What does it do? Next, it affects family, friends, finances, and future. 
when a divorce takes place, so many complications come in, it's mind-boggling. If individuals survive the divorce proceeding and they decide to go ahead and get married again, now the children come along, now they have, what, two grandmas? Um, they have to go through this, and then financially, financially it mess you up. Guys understand, you get a divorce, you don't divorce as far as, far as Social Security is concerned. Part of your Social Security, when you reach that age, goes back to the person you married the first place. Part of that. Check it out. And if you're married three or four times, all one, two, three, four, you see? I have a real relative married, I think, with four or five times. He didn't want to get, he didn't want to go on Social Security. Because all his money is going to one, two, three, four. So, and the Lord says, you know what? You could have avoided all of this. So all the excuses, use it like my son's excuse. What did God say? And whatever God says, stand on it. Say, well, my partner did this. I understand. Then they're going to go to the Romans and everything else and go use these other. What did Jesus say? That's foundational. Now, there are some situationals. And the situationals is if an unbeliever leaves a believer. Okay. I mean, actually, leave it, he says they are free. Because there's a breaking of a covenant that really wasn't honored by God in the first place. But since you did it, you're free to remarry. But if you're married, both of you are believers, you are married to the death. Anybody hear me? If you don't hear me, uh, you want Jesus to explain it to you? It's an act that is dishonorable. A process that is in sharp conflict, in sharp conflict of the word of God. It's an act that is it's in conflict. With, if God hates divorce, then why would you get divorced? Okay. And I know there's a, um, a number of excuses. Over the 40 some odd years of counseling, I've heard the excuses. Some are tear jar, jar, uh, jar, jerkers, okay? But the whole idea is this, that if I don't obey God's word, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. It gets worse. The next one is a self-serving act to obtain a peace that only God can give. I just need to get out so I can have peace of mind. The Lord says, no, no, no. He shall keep you in perfect peace when your mind is what? Stayed on him. See? What's this one? It has a devastating effect on God's generational agenda. The whole idea is this, God had for the marriage a generational, not just where you are situational, a generational agenda where others will be blessed, the results of it and everything else. When there is a divorce, it cuts that apart. And then when you bring somebody else in, it starts another complex, you see. And the Lord says, I never wanted that to happen. So please don't ask me to bless it. Go back to the blessed word. I told you, don't do it, okay? Okay. Let's read this last one. It have a tendency to leave emotional scars that can last for a lifetime. I'm, I'm telling you, this is a fact. 
there are couples who have come in, and I asked them, have you been married before? They said, yes. And so, and, uh, well, I don't marry couples in a way. Uh, uh, I don't, I'm very particular as to uh, who I do the performance for. Number one, if you're an unbe unbeliever, I don't do your weddings, okay? Uh, with believers, uh, then um, you have a pastor, I'm only counseling. You, you go to your pastor. And so, but when, when we ask this whole question of, um, of emotional scars, I would ask them, okay, you're getting married again. Let me ask you, did you have closure on your other marriage? Were you able to walk away from it, close the door, so that you never have to refer to that again? Here's the reason why. When a person gets a divorce, this is, this is my observation, it's a fact, it's a fact. If they were wounded in the past, they have the little shotgun, which means it's not gonna happen to me again. Now the partner that you're marrying don't even know that you had that shotgun on the shelf. So then here you're going through one year, two years, you know, things are wonderful. And then that partner says or will do something that triggered what happened yesterday. And what happened to him in the past is going to happen to you now. He's blown away. And the person says, I don't know, what, what happened? Why are you acting like that? Why are you taking me through these changes? What did I do to you? And I had to go back and clear up the past in order to deal with the presence. It could have been all aborted when the Lord says, I do not accept divorce except, except to sexual immorality. Everybody with me so far? Jesus made it very clear that we guard our marriage with commitment, godly character, and truth. If you heard some of these, these are some of the statements. I mean, I, there's a, I just for the sake of time, I just laid these out for you. But I think that it's important that when we say what Jesus had to say here, that Jesus made it very clear that we guard our marriage. And, and you see the, um, the words here with commitment, godly character, and and what? And you. If you have your marriage guarded with this, you don't have to worry about divorce. Enhancement, yes. Uh, challenge, oh, that'll be there. But you always come out on top because you're standing on the word of God. Well, you've been patient. Let's, let's move to the next one. Making oaths. The Lord says, now you folks go around making oaths about this and making oaths about this. He says, here's what I have to, oh, on your way to glory. He says, here's some things I need to say to you about oaths. Let's read together. Again, you have heard that it is said to those old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oath to glory. Uh-oh. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, nor by the earth, nor is it his to do, nor by Jerusalem. 
Wow, Lord, that's a lot. Well, you got one more thing. Nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black. So the Lord said, don't swear by anything I created. All the way down to your hair. Don't swear by it. Boy, the folks used to make all these different uh, oaths and everything else. It says, I swear by And uh, I, I ran into some problems there. I ran into, uh, well, I'll tell you this few minutes. But let your eye, your yes be what? And your, is that clear? For whatsoever is more than these is from the the devil. Anything apart from that is from the evil one, the devil. The Lord says, I say to you, anything apart from that is from the devil. Wow. And so there are at least several reasons why we are forbidden to make an oath. One, what does it say? Two, to validate. You don't have anything. They heard the word about cripple, crab, or crutch, and all this other thing. You don't have anything. Only thing you have is what God gives you. So don't be, the Lord said, don't be putting that on, on before. No, no, no. Don't do that. Okay? There's another one. Heaven, earth, Jerusalem, our head, head. Anything other than yes or no is direct, directly tied into Satan's scheme, the evil one. I, now I can say it. I um, you know, probably told you before, just to repeat then. I had jury duty. And jury duty, you know, they say you swear to tell the truth, nothing, 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 the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It says, before it says, they were, they were selecting jurors. And so they got around to me, and they, they said, um, uh, would, you, um, would you do what the, the judge do, uh, directs you to do? And I asked, well, what is that the judge want me to do? They said, either yes, they said, yes, no, 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 no. I don't know what he wants me to do. If he wants me to do something that is contrary to the will of God, I'm not going to do it. But if he, if he wants me to uh, you know, do something that, um, you know, that is with the will of God, I'll do it. So when it comes down to swear, no, I won't swear. The Lord told me not to swear. So why would it, because I'm in a court and you're a judge with, with, with a position, why should I swear? I'll say either yes or no. That should be sufficient. Because the swearing means you're saying yes or no. Of course, they let me out early uh, that particular day, paid my money, you know, paid me the little stipend, you know, everything else. But I let them know, I'm not doing it. You know, Karen and I rehearsed what I've, I've laid in, on my heart. I said, the, the only person I have to, to, to obey is God. You see, the only thing that I have to do is to serve God and die. I don't have to eat, I'll, I'll die. That's a choice. But I'm not obligated by anyone to tell me what to do that is contrary to the word of God. 
I don't care who it is, I don't care how, what, what particular group it is, what special interest group it is, if it's in contrary to the word of God, then either I'll say yes or no. Make up your mind what you're going to do. And, you know, we hear the whole idea when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the Lord says, if you're in my house, then don't use oaths. Don't divorce. I say to you. So please, please don't make, bring any uh, hypothetical situations to me because I'm going to take you right back to the verse. What did God say? Then what can I say that would trump what God have already said? Because he have already said that if I do it, I'm held responsible. Okay. Um, this is important because guess what? I don't believe all of this has been taught. And that's why a lot of things have been set up and there's a lot of uh, even pastors who have compromised yes. this. I know uh, one pastor that has been married four times. So how can he counsel some other couple? You see? He's disqualified. He shouldn't have been pastoring. But the whole idea is that God said it, and that settles it. Jesus has made it very clear. Watch your mouth. That's what he said. Watch your mouth. Watch your marriage. Then he says, watch your mouth. Because there are ramifications. There are things that happens when you do not do it. Everybody with me so far? Then I think it would be good to close it out. One last thing. So far, we have covered murder, adultery, divorce, oaths. And I think that it's important, and there's three more that are left to uh, go over. But above, above all of these have been uh, pre prefaced with these words. You have heard, but I say to you. Each time, here's what the world is saying. Here's what I am saying. They had a song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The world behind me. And the cross before me. No turning back. And he said, well, what if that happened? What if I did this? The Lord says, if we confess our sin. Because this is not an unpar unpardonable sin. He says, if you confess your sins, he's what? It's to forgive your sins and to do what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Each of us has the responsibility to hear, receive, and apply what has been presented. You can control the choice, but not the outcome. You can stand on the roof and say, I think that I am Spider-Man. Don't do it. I, Spider-Man, now watch. I'm going to jump over here and just fling over here. Don't. The law of gravity going to catch you. No, I am Spider-Man. I've been telling myself. And you believe it and you receive it. <laughs> and the person jump. Yeah. And, and it's where to go out. <laughs> and he goes down. Boom. Because he ran into the law of gravity. What goes up? must come down. 
Whenever you have pride in your life and you think that you can disobey the word of God, whatever goes up will come down. You have heard from others, but I say to you, <laughs> be careful when you're dealing with the word of God. We'll pick this up next week and, uh, and finish it out. As the Lord says, I'm getting you ready for glory. Yes. You're blessed. You're going to have haters. You know, There's some situations you're going to run into. He says, and I want to walk you through that you're on your way to glory. And no one can stop you from getting there. Amen. As we bow in prayer. Father God, I thank you for the time that we've had with the saints. Thank you for the instant recall. Thank you for uh, things going well, that the PowerPoints, and that we're able to just kind of reinforce what has been said. And Lord, we just pray right now for each one of the believers. We pray, Lord, that we be more than just hearers of the word, but doers. James says that if we're more, if we, if we're more than that, says we're deceiving ourselves. If we don't do it, then we're deceiving ourselves. Not you, not Satan. We're deceiving ourselves, and we're going nowhere. I pray, Lord, that we get on board and stay with your plan. And if there be one under the sound of my voice that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they must acknowledge that they are a sinner and that they cannot save themselves. They must believe that Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, was crucified and his death and burial and he rose again believe that he did that for our sins and then asked the Lord to receive ask the Lord to receive you into your life help them do just that Lord to forgive them of sins and to receive them oh Lord you doesn't you do not make it complicated but then too Lord we have not come before your presence yet and help us to understand that when we come before your presence, we have a lot to answer for. So, again, thank you for the saints of God. Thank you for what you're going to do with the word. Great is your faithfulness. For in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen.